This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Get In, Get Out by Mink. Harmonies on every song. Are you playing gotcha? Playing, yeah, playing gotcha. They have that proficiency and that ability, but yet it's still presented with an edge. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Minichi. Joining me in the co-pilot seat once again, Jason Ziak. Jay, it's question time. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, Hofbrau Oktoberfest. That seems appropriate. I believe I had this last time. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, discovered a beer in the Giant Eagle cooler called Franz Connor Weiss Beer. Oh, that's got to be good. It has a very nutty uh, flavor to it. It's um, not quite like... What, when you say nutty, what do you mean? Um, what kind of nuts? Hmm? What kind of nuts are you referring to? I don't know. It just has like a... Uh, I don't know how to describe uh, it. Uh, yeah, this is why we're not... I just met man nuts or the kind of nuts that you eat? Oh, the kind of nuts you eat. Okay. Thanks for that. That's a good nutty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to edit that whole section out right there. <laughs> Talk about what we need to... Uh, come on. What we can trim. So we're, uh, we're, we're doing one that you suggested tonight. We're back on uh, Jay suggestions. Getting away from the listeners oh, this week, and and uh, this is uh, make me nervous. Well, it's funny because I dug up a clip of you from the year two thousand during an interview that our band had with um, a TV show in Columbus at the time called Backstage Pass. It was on the cable access channel 21 here in columbus and the interviewer stopped by our practice space to ask us questions uh, about our band and the scene music scene in columbus and he asked us what we were listening to and well i'm just gonna we're gonna play the clip and this is what you said jay i found the more local stuff that i found that's really good is a band from dayton that broke out they're called Mink. Yeah, um, good that C just good kicks ass. I cannot believe that these guys weren't huge. It's um, Mink? Yeah, they're called yeah. Mink. I haven't heard of them. And they broke off. I mean, that, that really sucks. But from what I know, the main guy, the main songwriter in the band is living in New York. He's got a new band, so I'm anxious to hear something from that. So, Jay, you said in that clip that this album kicks ass. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so that's a good... That's a good um, uh, uh, teaser. Are you playing Gotcha? I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing Gotcha. Now that's a good teaser for this for this record. Now that was you know 11 years ago. Jesus Christ, that was 11 years ago. That you said that. Let's. That's insane. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna do our history of the band stuff, and then we're gonna find out if we both think this album kicks ass. Oh man. History of the band. So Mink, the band we're reviewing tonight, was formed in Dayton, Ohio, just up the road from Columbus, or is it west of here? I always get that mixed. Just west. Just west of here. In 1996, they released 
an EP called Mink USA, and then a full length called The Red Album, which only came out on vinyl, was never released in a digital format. That was followed by the album we're reviewing, Get In, Get Out, which was released in 1998. Uh, around this time, there's there's not a lot of history of this band, so I, I did a lot of search for I, I'm, info. I'm shocked that you found this much. They uh, placed first in the WOXY 97X Battle of the Bands for a Ohio, Indiana, and I think Kentucky was the tri-state area Battle of the Bands. Mm-hmm. They did a number of gigs uh, with national acts coming through uh, the Dayton and Columbus area. Uh, Matthew Sweet, Baruch Assault, and then local bands. I say local bands, but local to the area in terms of uh, Guided by Voices from Dayton and The Breeders, amongst others. Um, the album was recorded at Cybertechnics Studio in Dayton, completely analog. Shortly thereafter, the band broke up. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, singer-guitarist Morgan Taylor moved to New York City. He released a solo album, uh, which was called Dream in Green in 2000 under his own name. And then he released a self-titled album in 2002 called Morgan Taylor's Rock Group. Those are both available on CD Baby. And other members of the band were uh, drummer Matt Espy. He moved to Chicago. Uh, Nick Eddy and Corey Ozenbaugh formed the band Sunburst. And then uh, bassist Dan O'Connor moved on to some other local bands. Here's the tricky part. I don't know what everybody played in this band. I know that Morgan Taylor was a guitar playist, guitar, guitarist and lead singer. But there were five people credited to Mink. So I, uh-huh. somebody was just singing and not playing an instrument. And I think that might have been Nick Eddy. Um, but I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of dual singing on this album. You know, like two people singing harmonies together. Yeah. Entirely possible that they just had a vocalist. Well, on, on this album, there is some very... Um, there is some keyboard on the record mm-hmm. that's... I don't know that it would constitute the need for a keyboard player, but there is some on the record. So they reunited in Dayton in December of 2006 for a show, and then again in June of 2007. Uh, Around this time, which was uh, uh, July of 2007, there was an interview with Morgan Taylor in the Dayton Daily News who said that although the band wasn't permanently getting back together, they did plan on doing some recording, and at that time, we're planning for a release of a new album in December of 2007 called Come Over. However, no new album surfaced. They released three new songs on their MySpace page, which is Mink, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, the, uh, the songs were Alive, Pills, and Ohio is the End. And you can stream those on their MySpace page. And since then, nothing has been heard of from Mink. So, wow, that's I'm shocked that you found that much. Well, I actually found a little bit more, but it was so dense. Uh, basically, yeah. these guys were in a band before Mink, 
called Uu Wa, but there were like 30 people in this band. Like it was like a collective of people, and it existed for like existed for like four or five years, and they put out a bunch of albums. But to be honest, it was on a a, black, a website with a black background and white text, and I, I it was giant blocks of text, <laughs> so hard to read. Eyes were hurting. so when you look away from the screen, you, it was burned into your eye socket, exactly. into your eyeballs. So I yeah, sort of gave up. I gave up reading. I just read the high as, as much of the highlights as I could. But these were not rookies. Essentially, these guys had been in a band or in multiple bands before this, and mm-hmm. this was sort of they had all come into the bands, the previous band separately, but then. After that band broke up, they moved on it and formed their own band, which was Mink. Interesting. So it um, it sort of uh, leads me into, I guess I'll start, since this was your suggestion, I'm going to start with the review here. Um, so you so said, this is the first you've ever listened to it? No, no, no. This is not the first I've ever listened to this. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, because I, I did recommend it 10 years ago. You were recommended it 10 years ago, and I'll tell you what, that I did at one point own the CD. Uh-oh. I'll tell you where I bought it. I bought it at a record store in Cincinnati when we were there to play a gig. I, I, I don't remember the name of the record store, but there's one on, I think it's Vine. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's still there. But we stumbled in there, and they had the Mink CD behind the glass case where the belt <laughs> was. And I was like, I want that CD. you got to give me that CD. Um, I had it, and then I purged about 800 of my CDs um, years ago. And this was one of them that got purged. And I thought that I had burned every single one of those to my hard drive, but I missed this one. Um, so I had to beg and borrow it from you. Uh, and it was great. Mm-hmm revisiting this cd um i think i have more appreciation for it now than i did then probably because <laughs> i have more you know depth of knowledge i've listened to more music since then but i remember really liking the first three songs Yep. and then not really you know being crazy about the rest of it but um we actually drove past dayton this past weekend and I had this in the car, and uh, I listened to it there and back, and it really it presented itself, like how much interesting stuff is going on in this record, how much um, songwriting skill is going mm-hmm. on, and it's amazing because it's a 10-song, 29-minute record. A lot of these songs barely hit the two-minute mark. Um, the opening track, listen to the quiet. Mm-hmm. Opens up, it just has uh, drum and bass. Christmas just wasn't the same. No one's the fourth of July.
vocals come in. You don't get the guitar until the pre-chorus. The song's about a minute 49, I think. And they actually get through a whole like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, um, outro to the song. It's not in any, there's no fat on any of these no. songs whatsoever. And yet they are still able to take a lot of really interesting chances. Um, track two, Solid Air. There's some interesting dyna- dynamics that go on in this song. But the part that I love about it is that when they hit the last chorus, they ride a chord out for the last like 30 seconds of the song and nothing, there's no fills, there's no leads. It's just the, the whole band locked on one groove, on one chord. And it is so cool because previous to that, there's been all these dynamics and a lot of jumping around and, um, you know, they could have shown off at that point. They could have thrown a guitar solo, they could have had drum fills, but they just lock onto this one chord and rock it out and then just end. And it's really, they really come, uh, interesting. They come into that part out of like, they kind of do a, uh, I guess it would be a, a bridge or a middle part that gets kind of noisy and starts to like pull apart. And then all of a sudden it's like sucks back together. And then they just lock onto that chord and then just ride that chord out. Um, and you're right, it, it is really cool. I mean, it's just sonically, it just all like is glued together so well. And, that song um, really highlights the production quality of the album and the warmth, and and really, really the bass tone is fantastic on this album. like the most dynamic part of the record almost yeah because it's so you know a lot of times um the bass will be either mixed low or or to be recorded at a low frequency with that kind of like it's just this muddy sound um mm-hmm. you know with the kick drum and you don't really can't really hear the dynamic but they mm-hmm. put the bass um you know straight up forward you know right up at the top of the mix and it's almost like like a new order album or something like that. And the way that the bass is like, it's so a part of every song. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. Cause it sounds like, uh, um, we'll get this a little nerdy, but, uh, Tim played bass and we've, you know, recorded bass a lot. Um, so what you usually do or what you tend to do is, is just go 
directly uh, line in through a through a box uh, when you record. You do, you actually bypass uh, normally the speakers altogether, the speaker cabinet, which usually works pretty well. But there's something about you know the way a speaker cabinet sounds, like a live bass guitar sounds. It just has this huge uh, wide dynamic to it where you can hear. You can hear when they hit the strings, but then there's also this really, really deep, rich low end, and they've somehow captured that. I don't know how they did it because it's really hard to do. It's really hard to mic a bass cabinet and get that sound to come through on a record. But this is like one of those albums where they they actually got it, and then they were smart enough to when they produced it, kind of keep it as the really the core of the whole album and keep all the other instruments sort of out of the way of it so it doesn't get muddy which uh it's really i remember it hitting me when i got it at the time and then going back and listening to it now it really struck me as brilliant the way that it, it's produced the the other thing that i caught a lot more this time probably because again i've got 10 years of you know music listening experience is the vocals not just the fact that they're doing harmonies on every song interesting counter melodies and playing with uh, the phrasings and all this interesting stuff from song to song and they're doing it within really compact spaces you know only like two minutes two and a half minutes sometimes um, yeah they're also doing a lot of interesting little tricks that I would never have picked up on and I'm going to have to again defer to my uh, more talented wife who actually knows what to call things uh, in the song The Psychic, which is basically one line repeated throughout the entire yeah. song. But they changed did it. You, did you, before you, you, you talk about the, did you pick up on the, the fact that it was just one lyric repeated over and over again, like the first and couple times you heard it, or were you just absorbed by the song and didn't even notice? I kind of didn't notice. I didn't either. I think I heard the song probably three to five times before it, it dawned on me that holy crap, they don't change the lyric. They just keep repeating the same lyric the whole song. But they, but they change but they, the melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's singing it. So go ahead. He changes the phrasing of it. The one thing that she caught that I, I was sort of sitting there going, what's he doing there? Um, is when he, sang, when he sings it, the, the end of the line is, I, I found out the future is fine. But there's a couple times where the two vocals, because it's harmonizing, they go fine and they bring it down. It's called a suspension. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really cool because that sounds like something that somebody who knows how to write music and read music and has actually studied it knows yeah. how to do. Like, yeah. bringing it down, suspending that note, it's just a touch of like, just a little bit, you know, a tighter songwriting and a little bit, well, um, uh, uh, you know, a nicer touch than just ending it on a flat, you know, just ending it, the note straight out. what's really cool about that for me is that they have that proficiency and that ability but yet 
it's still presented with an edge. And a lot of times when you do harmonies to that level and that perfection, it becomes so, oh, I don't know, polished. It almost becomes sterile and mechanical sounding, you know, when you, when you really can do them well. But the way they're produced and the way they perform them, you can still hear that there's two voices there, even though they melt, you know, they, they work together great. And they still just the way that he's got a little bit of rasp in his voice and just a little bit of grit and the way they deliver the stuff that it doesn't become like it still has an edge to it. And, a, you know, just a little bit of a dark tinge, which to me, that rawness really makes it you know, that much cooler. Did you have a hard band- time? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like a band like maybe like Jellyfish, who also you know, did things like that. It's so produced. Right. And it's so precise and so crisp that it starts to become almost sterile. And, you know, you lose that edge. Did it you have a hard real. time picking out the influences? Because I listen to this and I'm like, you know, you could say like the generic stuff. Because there's definitely like a pop songwriting sensibility going on. But I don't really tie it to one particular band or you know they're from Dayton so you're thinking well maybe they were influenced by Guided by Voices but Guided by Voices sounds nothing like this and well yeah I mean if you listen this is mid 90s late 90s Dayton you know this is we haven't even gotten to in terms of Guided by Voices the really polished pop stuff which would be isolation drills Um, you're dealing with Under the Bushes Under the Stars Mag Earwig, those would be the late 90s stuff that this would be semi-comparable to, but that stuff's still pretty raw and, you know, um, not nearly as straightforward as, as these songs are. Um, I don't ever see, you know, Bob Pollard writing stuff as simple or um, down-to-earth as a song like straight man or college you know those songs well i think um they're both they're both heavily influenced by the beatles but i think they're influenced by different aspects of the beatles and then each one sort of has their own talents and abilities and they sort of are able to you know take those pieces of beatles that that inspires them but you know express them in their own way you know so these guys they can do the harmonies that the beatles did um, I also think there's like I was curious to hear what you thought of some of the songs now, um, with a little bit of with a little bit of distance and time. Um, so the, like the second half of the album, songs like Finger Lakes and College and Mr. Frankenstein, um, songs where they take on a little bit more of a there's a a little bit of campiness to them. There's a little bit of like playing with characters. There's a little bit of like kind of like what the Beatles did on the White Album, you know, Rocky Raccoon and some of that stuff where it's like, you know, bizarre lyrics and sort of, you know, just even like living within a genre, like some of this stuff gets kind of loungy sounding and jazzy sounding and um, just wondering what you thought now when you hear hear some of those tunes. Well, I... Uh, I'll be sat with you. I, I think because they're so, you know, I'm obviously... And I've said it before in previous podcasts, I, I lean more towards the up-tempo stuff. But yeah. since this album goes by so fast, I literally have put it on, started listening to it, and then I get to Cat Behavior, and I'm like, Jesus, this song is this, this album's over already. 
Like I can't yeah. believe how fast it moves, and it's, it sometimes feels like the songs are just like so quick that they're they're actually the same. Like two songs are one song, just like yeah. half or something. I've always liked the college song. It has that great yeah. lyric in the chorus mm-hmm. um, about writing perfect pop songs. So I'm writing you this letter. I think I'm gonna be a doctor. I was gonna say I liked Mr. Frankenstein in terms of the way that that song builds. Yeah, it has a nice um, end to it. Yeah, Finger Lake still does not do a whole lot for me, but I, I think this time around, because I listened to it over and over, um, Audio Sex Wave was a song mm-hmm. that I had more appreciation for. I also didn't catch the first time around, and this is one of the earlier tracks, but in. Um, quotes Led Zeppelin in uh, he borrows a Led Zeppelin lyric in uh, Straight Man oh yeah he says I don't know but I've been told Big Leg Woman ain't got no soul oh yeah yeah and uh, I never caught that <laughs> the first time around listening to the album yeah which I, I thought was kind of cool so yeah. I mean this it's hard to criticize anything on here because if you don't like a song, it's going to be over in two and a half minutes. <laughs> so it's not like you really have to worry about anything. I don't think there's a bad song on here. I just, you know, in terms of the only one that doesn't necessarily work that much for me is, is like I said, Finger Lakes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it, it has a, for me, it has a spot on the album. You know, it, it's sort of a, it, like you said, with everything, none of these songs last long enough that where you're going to, you're even going to skip them you know you put the record on you let it go through uh this would be actually great to have on vinyl because you know the whole point of that is you listen to the whole thing because it's so hard to change songs but um you know just like you said there's just so much uh really sophisticated songwriting and dynamics and just clever uh technique here um it was, it was interesting to hear the history that you know they sort of spent some time cutting their teeth with a collective and really probably working with a lot of other talented people for a while um, and then kind of busted out on their own to figure out what they were going to do but you can kind of hear all that uh, probably all that work they did come to fruition here and you know for I think it has something to offer for people who are musicians and songwriters and looking for um, just really clever well crafted you know short pop songs but it's also hooky, you know. I mean, a lot of these songs. There's not a song on here that when you mention the song, I can't think of. You know, immediately bring the melody to mind. Um, you know, and I've listened to it. I've listened to it quite a bit. But there's albums I've probably listened to a lot more than this that I don't have as easily memorized as I have this one. Um, so I think the production's great. You can definitely tell it's analog. Um, it sounds pretty live to me. You know, it doesn't sound like it's overly 
it's not overly produ produced it sounds like you know kind of a live band maybe there's a couple overdubs here and there with guitars and stuff but um th there's one clever thing that i caught this time listening to it that i didn't catch the first time um when i first got it was uh that i really thought was cool is there's a couple songs they do guitar solos mm -hmm. and it's really neat because they both play the so they both play a solo at the same time but they don't play the same part they sort of dabble in the same melody and the same sort of concept, but they don't actually play, they don't get to the point where they ever do like a full like Thin Lizzy like harmony thing. kind of get close to almost doing it but not and it, it it's it's just another one of those things like to pull something off like that i just i mean i know from playing guitar i'm playing with two guitar band like it, it you know it can be really challenging to figure out what each person is going to do but to both do a solo and be able to not just copy each other but to actually like to kind of play off each other as this goes on um that, that takes some skill and that was something that really uh, it jumped out me out at me this time when I listened to it. If there was one thing I, I guess I want to tie this into previous uh, discussions is um, from the when we reviewed the Red Cross album, you brought up that they had a they were not a jokey band but they had a sense of humor and yeah. sort of a wry obs observational take on within their lyrics, and mm -hmm. I kind of feel it like that's going on. With some of the stuff that's on this album, they're not joking around, but they've definitely got like a sense of playfulness. Um, yeah. in, the, in the song "Audio Sex Wave," the there's the lines in the chorus: "Party on the right side, par party on the left side, party on the right side." That mm -hmm. hit with the dynamics. And yeah. um, uh, "Listen to the Quiet" has some lines about. I mean, the the song is again the chorus there is "Get in the van," and he's yelling. Um, at someone, I'm not sure who the, who the who's that directed at. Um, but there's a lot of just like little one-liners here and there. He's making mm -hmm. like jokes and not not like you know slapstick or anything like that. But they're just uh, it's smart well, and it's not. I, I hate to compare it to like um, you know, there are bands that have um, senses of humor. But they tend to be weirder bands like Flaming Lips or Ween or yep. um, those sort of bands. And But they don't tend to stick to a pop rock format. Yep. Um, which is maybe why this, you know, we'll get into why we think this album didn't go anywhere. Um, but that might be part of the issue, which might be some of the issue with Red Cross as well. Looking back on that. They, they could have been 
they could have been heavily influenced by Rick Ross. I mean, the timeline sort of makes sense, and mm -hmm. that was a band that definitely came to mind when I listened to it. I also thought of uh, another band we we um, reviewed early on um, with Seed. Um, not sure if they were influenced by Seed, but in some ways, they're doing a more probably a highly simplified version of what Seed was doing, um, and, and probably a, a much better crafted version of what seed was doing but i would say there's probably a lot of the similar influences and similar concepts that's going on there with both of those bands um so you know again it, i go back to the beatles you know i mean the beatles were able to have a sense of humor too on a lot of their albums um and a lot of their songs and lyrics and you know make analogies and and they were able to deliver it in a way that wasn't joke i mean it was it sort of had a sense of fun to it but it wasn't like jokey and a lot of times it ended up having, you know, some kind of counter meaning to it. Um, and they sort of dabble in the same thing, which I think probably to set up where, where our next segment is, that's you, that's typically not uh, something commercially viable, at least in America. That 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 uh, that tone or that that way of song songwriting isn't for some reason doesn't work on commercial commercial american radio yeah so this album came out in 1998 on fisk records everybody knows fisk records right um out of dayton they did some regional touring i don't think they ever did a national tour as far as i can tell i mean to me this is just you know they never had a shot in terms of when they released the album the probably the distribution the exposure the, you know, the alternative well, let me tell you, was gone. Did I ever tell point. you how I heard of them? Uh, no, I don't believe you did. I actually heard of them on the internet. <laughs> you had the so, internet back in 2000? Yeah. So this must have been, yeah, 2000, 2001. And it was on a uh, one of the early, I don't know if it was GarageBand or another site. But it was one of the sites we were participating in that had um, some sort of chart, charting and voting component. So you'd basically independent bands could upload their song and then there was some sort of chart where you could try to get to the top of the chart through whatever, fan votes or something. Um, and they were pretty high. They were like in the top five of whatever genre that we were in with alt rock or whatever happened to be. Um, and I just happened to be going through and sampling some of the other bands, and it may have been Solid Air or The Psychic. I don't, I don't know which song, but it was one of those songs. Was up on the site and listened to it and realized they were from Dayton, and I think I ended up buying the CD from CD Baby. Um, and somehow, at some point, I ended up emailing with the singer of the band. I don't, I don't know how. Um, but I shot him an email. I might have just told him, hey, I like the album. And I don't know if I mentioned that I was in a band or what. But he basically said that he had moved to New York City. And, you know, you, you said the history, but was on to something else. Right. Huh. Which sort of surprises me that he, you know, I, I, they had opportunities. Um, obviously, there's, there's been other bands from, from this part of the country that have ended up making it. Um, so it's not impossible. You know, guided by voices, I've made it. 
uh, Afghan Wigs have made it. You know, there's been plenty of other bands that have from the Dayton, Cincinnati, Columbus area that have made it. And then with the singer, sort of, if he was the main songwriter, actually moving to New York City and trying to do a solo career, you know, there's probably enough awareness of who he was. Um, he's got a great voice, didn't you think? I mean, that was another thing that really struck me listening to this was just the quality of his voice was just really, really good. It was it was raspy and it had some character, but he could still really, you know, he had some range. Um, it never got cheesy. No, he never he never abuses it. Like he knows when to bring it back so that it's not you know over the top because he could very easily turned it into like almost a whiny yeah and um it never goes there he's he i like the fact that he pushes into that rougher uh more strained sound on songs like listen to the quiet Stray man he's he's you know that that to me is a sign of somebody who has confidence in their vocal is when they're willing to stretch it yeah yeah i mean I, I understand that there was exposure opportunities at some point, I'm just thinking in 1998, there's no way this band was going anywhere. You know, if this if this album came out in 93, absolutely they're getting signed to a major. But by 98, this was not the uh, band du jour. You know, there, you've moved yeah. on to new metal, you've moved on to pop punk, mall punk, emo, stuff like that. Is starting to is starting to show up. Uh, yeah. This 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 is just a little past when it needed to be in terms of um, getting in the spotlight. And to be fair, it wasn't even on a medium size. I mean, it wasn't even it definitely wasn't on a major label, and I'm not even sure it was a medium size label. I don't even know what Fisk is. I mean, Fisk <laughs> might have been the name that they made up for their to release it, like we did with our band. So can you still get this? Yeah, this it's, album? it's um, it's out there. You can get it on uh, CD Baby, CD Universe, those types of places. It might even be on iTunes. I don't know. You know what? If it's on CD, I'm sorry. If it's on CD Baby, did you say it was on CD Baby? Yeah, it's on CD Baby. Uh, there's a good chance it's on iTunes then, because they have a deal with them, right? Well, yeah, the band would have to be uh, had to have been active to sign the papers over to do the digital distribution. Like somebody who had to, you know, have their shit together enough that when the, <laughs> the email came to do that, they wouldn't have need to, you know, sign the piece of paper and sign it back in. You mean if there was, so. if the email address was mink at earthlink.2.com, <laughs> that it's possible that that email address does not exist anymore? Exactly. Yeah. And they didn't get the email and they're not on iTunes. Yeah. That's possible. <laughs> All right. That's it, everybody. We are done with Minx. Get in, get out. It is on iTunes. It is on iTunes. So go download this mother, listen to it, and enjoy it. And we will be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. If Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation about this episode. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Digmeout.